Well, hey everyone, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend. It is great to be with you here this morning. And, um, you know, a little bit about my history. Not everybody knows this, but I was a worship leader in a different church in Michigan for about 12 years. And I didn't get to preach very often because I sort of had a different role. But it was noticeable for me that every year on 4th of July, the lead pastor would go on vacation somewhere out of state and then he'd leave me with the reins of preaching. So after a while, it became this kind of regular thing. You know, 4th of July in the church was the time to sort of hang the British guy out to dry in front of all these Americans, in front of a you know big American crowd. So um, I can feel the comments coming on social media today. So, you know, bring it. I'm ready for it. Um, it is a legitimate celebration of freedom and liberty and um, uh, uh, and independence. Uh, the Declaration of Independence is still viewed today as one of the most finely crafted documents in modern history. And, um, you know, we, we uh, in the American context, we talk about the Bill of Rights, uh, those uh, first 10 amendments. Um, and here's a question for you that would probably apply not just for you, but to anybody in any Western context, not just American, not just the American context, but how much of our independence and how many of our rights are we as followers of Christ guilty of bringing into our relationship with God and bringing into our church communities as we seek to follow Jesus? Because I think that as we put his ways and his values into operation in our lives, that we'd find that independence and rights are not so much a factor in his kingdom as they are in our physical countries or kingdoms. You know, some of you have heard me say that, that independence isn't a thing in the uncomfortable world of a Christian community. It's actually dependence that God wants us to move towards. And, and here's the sort of the tougher news is that neither are rights something that we should want to grasp hold of and have our, our, our hands clenched and hanging onto. And I was challenged today to bring you some things and some, some rights that I believe that as followers of Jesus, we might need to lay down, to not have this approach of holding tightly, but to open our palms and to release. Let me stop now and I'll, I'll read some words um, from the scriptures. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Philippian church about Jesus, about Jesus' willingness to empty himself, to give up his rights. He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a, of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, obe by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Did you hear some of that? That Jesus, even Jesus, wasn't willing to use things to his own advantage. It talks about him, him making himself nothing, about him humbling himself. Now, my friend uh, Dave Buring talked uh, to myself and Liz along these lines at a retreat that we were at a few years ago. And I wanted to share some of his thoughts this morning um, as he talked to us about relinquishing our rights. Because if we're going to grow in submitting ourselves to the ways of God, 
then uh, we have to lay down some of the rights that we thought were ours to hold on to. Now, I've always been a, a fan um, of uh, The Late Show when David Letterman ran it and he did his, he did his top 10 uh, things every single night. I always used to enjoy that top 10 segment. And so I, I, I want to talk tonight about the top 10 uh, rights that anyone following Jesus would need to lay down. And it starts off pretty tough, right at the top. I believe we need to relinquish our rights to our family. Now, that's a, that's a high cost. A high cost to say that in order to follow Jesus, I've got to be willing to give up my rights to my family. What does that mean? Is there any point in your life, and ask yourself this question, has there been any point in your life, and maybe I think there has been for all of us, where we were ready to put our family ahead of our, uh, of our walk with God? Particularly if you feel like you've got a great family, if maybe if you've got a, a family that you're ready to kind of say goodbye to, it's not so hard for you. But for many people, family is number one in their lives. Now, I've known families, uh, actual families that have really had to grapple with this on a, on a real life basis. Families that have, that have received the call from God to go to some perhaps a third world country where they are literally giving up every, uh, every privilege, every one of what would seem to be one of their rights as they go into a country where they're going to have to uh, give up the schools for their kids. And, as, and I've watched in awe as people have chosen to lay down their rights to their family existing in a certain way. At one point, Jesus in his ministry compared uh, his earthly family to his spiritual family, basically by saying, whoever does the will of my father, whoever does the will of God in around me, that person is my, my brother and my sister and my mother. Uh, that those are the people that I call my family because they're aligned with, with my view of relinquishing my own personal family, re- relinquishing my rights to my own personal family. You know, I didn't experience that, that, that bigger sacrifice that I talked about, but even, even having your, your family and your kids change states and obviously school districts and that, that sort of thing. Some of you have been through this. You know it's a, it's a big a uh, big step to do, especially when you're feeling like our kids are in middle school or high school and you're supposed to sort of batten down the hatches and not move anything. You know it's a high cost. Are we willing to make that cost for the gospel? To say, I will give up my rights to where my family should look like for the cause of Christ. I believe that another thing that God calls us to do is to relinquish our rights to friends. You know, in following Jesus, it can cost us our friends. You know, one of the, 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 the rights we need to relinquish is that idea of having friends that support and understand us. Would we still respond to God's call if it meant doing it without the, the, the support and without the pats on the back of those around us? There may have been even people in your life, people who you would call friends, that have had influence on your life and you've recognized the need to lay those friendships aside in favor of following Jesus Christ with everything you've got. There's a line in Mark 14 that describes Jesus' disciples and uh, Jesus' relationship with his disciples as he's getting right close to the crucifixion, just hours away from his crucifixion and death. It says in Mark 14, verse 50, then everyone deserted him and fled. Get that, that Jesus is heading towards the biggest test of his life, leading to his death. And ultimately, he's having to do it without the support of any of his friends. He's having to do it alone. Would we be willing to relinquish our right to our friendships? 
Here's another one. Would we be willing to relinquish our rights to popularity and our reputation? In Mark 3, it, it des- describes uh, the teachers of the, the religious teachers of the law coming to Jesus and accusing him. And Jesus has been doing nothing but going around from town to town, uh, casting demons out of people, setting the oppressed free, uh, healing the sick, teaching the good news, doing nothing but good. And in Mark 3, it says that uh, the teachers of the law said he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. All Jesus is doing is good. He's doing nothing but good. He's doing nothing but setting people free. And yet he's being accused himself of being demon possessed. His reputation is being ruined. His popularity is being impacted. Some of you know this, that following Jesus means letting go of popularity. Doing the right thing in situations in our lives, making godly choices has led us to unpopularity, has led us to to our, our reputation being shattered. Some of you have had to say no to friends that you want to hang out with them because that you want to hang out with just because you know that your own behavior and your own integrity is going to get impacted if you carry on hanging out with them. And I want to challenge any of you who who uh, uh, would, would put friendships ahead of almost everything and your friends are really important to you. Consider putting Christ ahead of friendships in every situation. I want to ask you this. Are we willing to relinquish our rights to finances and possessions. You know, we, we very easily judge each other, don't we, by, by the visible possessions that other people have, by the things that we can see that they have. And if somebody has a great car, you might be like, well, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, raising your eyebrows, looking down your nose at them, at their finances or their possessions, or you find out something about where they go on vacation and you make a judgment on how much money you, they may have. I have a, a 14-year-old uh, Honda Odyssey with 225,000 miles on the clock and rust all around the sides. And if, if that's all you knew about me, you wouldn't think much of me at all. But if you saw me in another area, you might misjudge me in that area. And it, it, it's also futile because we tend to sort of waste brain cells by being impressed with people's visible financial or possession status. Do you know that Jesus was quite possibly homeless for the period of time that he was doing his ministry? Um, that we, we don't often think about this, about Jesus. In Matthew 8, it says, or Jesus replied to, to people questioning him. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He says, I'm without a home. Gee, you know, I've spent a few, I've spent a few weeks in, uh, uh, in Bethlehem. I've spent a couple of weeks in the dead of winter in Bethlehem, just close to the area where Jesus would have been walking around doing his ministry. And in, the, in, in January, it is not warm in that part of the country. It's cold. It's not as bad as here, but it's, it's, it's cold and it's not a place where you want to be homeless. But it's likely that Jesus spent his entire ministry period without a home, sleeping on the street. And I believe, I believe that we are called to relinquish our rights to finances and possessions if we're going to be like our Savior Jesus. Here's a big one. I believe we're, we're called to relinquish our rights to our time. Time is something that we all want to, to hold on to, don't we? I mean, they say time is money, but you know, time is precious and it's one of our most valuable treasures. What would it look like to truly surrender our time to God? 
What would it mean in, for our futures if we could trust God with our time, with our present? You know, one account in the Gospels of Jesus and his disciples um, they're spending the whole day uh, ministering. They're spending the day uh, preaching the good news, healing the sick, going from town to town with Jesus and his, his 12 dis- disciples following him. They're having compassion on lost and weary and oppressed people who are following Jesus. And the disciples were saying to Jesus, Jesus, it's, it's time to go. It's like the, the sun's going down. It's, it's time to let these people go to their homes. They're hungry. People are probably getting crabby, trying to uh, clamor for Jesus' time. And Jesus, instead of that, Jesus turns to his followers and challenges them. He says, you give them something to eat. And this is the, this is the beginning of the feeding of the 5,000. This is the beginning of a huge miracle that Jesus does through his followers. But his followers are like, come on, Jesus, it's the end of the day. We, we want to clock off. We want to go home. We've got, we got families to attend to and this kind of thing. But I think one of the main tactics that the enemy uses to keep us from living out our purposes is, is by distracting us from being available to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Like, What is it that you may have missed out on this past weekend because you haven't relinquished your time to Jesus? What does that mean moving forward? What does it mean to, to relinquish your 24-7 to Jesus? Ask him about it. Ask him about how he calls us to give our time over to him. Now, let's pause here for a minute. Have you ever um, uh, opened one of those BuzzFeed articles and you've looked at one of these BuzzFeed articles, it's like the typical clickbait type thing on a web page, the bottom of a web page, and it will say like top 10 things or, you know, top 10, seven or top, top 10 actors or actresses that don't look like what they used to and it'll say something like number six like you don't want to miss number six you know and so there's always that like i gotta find out what number six says so so number six is like equally bad here for us like so anthem community number six thing that we should relinquish as we are to give our rights away and to give up our rights and be open-handed with our rights this is we are called to relinquish our right to food shelter sleep and comfort all right don't don't like carry on scrolling like leave the feed right where it is because i believe this is a big one for us i think honestly comfort is one of the things that i most want to hold on to it's the thing that i enjoy the most i know that it may seem odd that we may need to relinquish something like that in order to be free but our right to sleep really i gotta relinquish my right to sleep what is it? What, what is it like if, if God wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning and, and wants it nudges you and wants you to pray? Does three o'clock in the morning belong to Jesus or does three o'clock in the morning belong to me and like Z's coming out of my head for hours on end? Is that something that I'd be willing to give up? You know, the Bible says of Jesus that uh, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In Matthew 4, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Do you think? Like for a 40-day fast, Jesus being willing to surrender food during that time in order to get closer to the Father. It's like the biggest understatement in the Bible. Of course, Jesus was hungry. But what would have happened if Jesus had held on to his right to food rather than to listen to God and to obey God? 
You know, if Satan had come to him and said, hey, I can, I can show you how to take these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus said, I'm listening. Like, 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 give me more. Like, let's see what we can do here. If Jesus had given up his right, if Jesus had held on to his right for food during that time, but he relinquished his right to those things all throughout his ministry life. Another thing, are we willing to relinquish our right to hurts, disappointments, and unforgiveness? This, is a, this one stings a little bit here. I can trust God with so many other things, but am I prepared to relinquish my right to those hurts and those disappointments and those areas of unforgiveness that I want to hold on to? Because if I'm still holding on to the past, if I'm still holding on to areas of my past in my life that, that, that I kind of like to hold on to, I'm not living free and it will impact my future. This is the, the, one of the number one things that holds people back because if we're stuck looking back and nursing wounds from the past, we're unable to experience the healing and the freedom that the future could hold for us. Are we willing to relinquish our rights to unforgiveness, to, to previous hurts and habits from the past. You know, when Jesus was, was on the cross in his final moments of life, he looked down at the people mocking him, at the people who crucified him. And his words to them were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He was willing to see people as valuable, forgiven people, rather than nursing the grudge that he could have held on to in that time. Are you hanging on to hurt? Are you hanging on to disappointment and unforgiveness? Or are you willing to release that? Are we willing to release, uh, to relinquish our rights to position, to career, to influence and gifts? You know, those verses in Philippians 2 say, oh, don't they, that Jesus uh, was willing to empty himself. He was willing to lay things down. You know, Jesus as being the person who, who pretty much had the best LinkedIn resume that you could ever imagine. You know, son of God. You know, he, he had every position, every title, uh, every, every uh, piece of career evidence to show how great he was. But let me ask you, what are we willing to, to relinquish in terms of our careers, in terms of our rights to those things? Is that something that we would consider giving up? Some of us love our jobs, love our careers. Some of us feel like that's, that's this, at the heart of our identity of what we do. Would we be willing to give it up, to relinquish it to a life of serving Jesus? Let me ask you this. Even those of you who serve here in the church at Anthem, is the part that you play so important that you would get your, you know, you, you get your, kind of your nose bent out of shape if you don't get an opportunity to play that part or to fulfill that role? You know, how intricately connected, I've got to ask myself, how intricately connected is my identity to Anthem, I'm wearing an Anthem t-shirt, is, 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 uh, is my identity to Anthem Church? Am I that connected to it that I wouldn't be willing to give it up if it meant I could go into the future that God has for me, has a calling on my life? If Anthem's in the way, I need to be willing to give it up. For those of you that serve, Maybe you, you, you fulfill a task at the church and it's important to you. Are you ready to put the community and Christ ahead of what you think your part in it is? I know for both Liz and I, uh, there have been periods in our, in our background where we've been in kind of a career desert, where we've genuinely felt like God isn't allowing us to push through into new opportunities. And it's, a, it's been a tough season. 
But we had to be willing during those times to say, God, we, we submit the careers that you've called us to now and this feeling of sometimes being stuck um, that we can carry on serving you in the way that you've called us. We won't like uh, grasp for, th- for things that aren't ours, but we'll, we'll submit to you during this time. And I don't know what your career is or what God's going to call you to do in the future. But I can guarantee you that if you surrender your career and your position and your influence and your leadership to Jesus, it will take you in places where you never expected to go. You know, I think this one follows on from it a little bit. And that is, are we willing to relinquish our opinions and the right to be right? You know, there could be some nudging on sofas from one person to another here. If you live with somebody, you feel like they've got to be always right or they've always got an opinion. You know, this one might seem a little subtle, but sometimes the biggest idol in our lives that can get in the way of following Jesus is our inability to hold our tongue. You know, I think at the most significant time in Jesus's life, he was willing to lay down even his right to speak. You know, this hits us so much right now as, as people are so connected to social media during the, the, the pandemic and during the, the racial tension across the country that we are so uh, prone to just having our opinion known and having it's, it's almost our right to be right, our right to our opinion. And we're going to talk about uh, social media more next week, actually, and address how that could best function in the uncomfortable community of Christ. But there's a time during Jesus's trial, again, just hours before his death, he's being questioned. And in Mark 14, the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? Verse 61 says, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Imagine that Jesus in the final moments of his life valued his his submission to the father's will over his willingness to defend his position. Finally, I want to ask us this. Are we willing to relinquish our rights to our future? You know, in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, one of the things that we've learned the most, perhaps, or that we're still learning is that we don't have control over our future. We thought we did. We, we kind of had this veiled feeling of control, but we've realized during this time that we don't have control of our future. And maybe during this time, God is teaching us something and we could learn in a way that we've never learned before. God, I submit my tomorrows to you. I thought we had control, but really I don't. I thought I could, I could predict the future even for the next few months. So many of us have, have lost things that we thought were just over the hill for us and they're not there right now or they're having to be postponed. But that we can, if we can relinquish our rights to our future, we can, we can say, God, I'm at peace with who I am today because I give that to you. And just a few hours again before Jesus' death, the Bible says he withdrew to a solitary place to pray. And in Luke 24, it says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. That's his followers, his disciples. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And it says an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, Jesus surrendered his future to the Father's will, and he's calling us to do the same today. 
you know, at a time when he said, you know, if there's a way you can take this from me, if you can take this future from me so I don't have to face it, I'd love that. But at the end of the day, God, your Father God, it is, it is for your will to be done, not mine. You know, as I close this, this, this talk today, I want to just mention that uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is, is the 23rd Psalm. It starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. It, it, it just describes us being lacking and needing nothing. In fact, in one of the older translations, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just that like period after the word want. It's just normally we would say I shall not want this or I shall not want that. But it just says I shall not want. There'll be like nothing that I, that I want for in this life. Just, it seems that wanting security and safety and opinions and to be hanging on to our rights are just this normal facade or this way of living that we've built around us. What would it be like in the light of this idea of relinquishing our rights on, on 4th of July, relinquishing our rights to our Father by saying to Him, Father, I shall not want. i
Shine.